2: Last time on House of Prayer, I said we just
3: we just we just escaped out of there. I said now nah, they're not going they're going to be looking for us. They really don't want me. They really want John. I said, but we got to go. We only got a few minutes, and we got to go. And I was later told they came by the house, by my mother's house, looking for us, but we were gone. We were long gone. It smelled like that, but I don't know if that's what it was. I don't know if Moses was. You know, they, the rumor is he was burned in the burn barrel. When Anna was speaking, I was scared. To, I was scared to say anything. So, uh, things because she was saying that, that that God told her this and God told her that. So you just shut up and listen because she was saying that this was God speaking to her and that she was like God was speaking through her to us. And I said, "What are you doing?"
1: And she said. We're praying for you. I said, I don't know who you're praying to, because I know God, and I know Christ, and this ain't him."
4: Please take care when listening. Some of this is difficult to hear. Anna Elizabeth Bobo was born in Harlan County, Kentucky in 1941 the fifth of eight children. Harlan County, Kentucky, is deep in the Appalachian Mountains. It's coal country. And in the 1940s, like so many other coal mining towns in the South, it was sinking. The Great Depression had swept across the country. Local unions were fighting with mine owners over better wages and safer working conditions. In Harlan, racism and segregation were rampant. Anna's father, Joseph Bobo, had been a coal miner since he was 13 years old. And while mining was what he knew, Joseph wanted something more for his children. So, like millions of other Black families, Joseph Bobo moved his family north. They became part of the Great Migration, a time in history when Black families were looking for a chance to create a new community— hoping to escape a lot of the racism and segregation, especially in the South. They moved to Detroit, but life didn't get much easier. Anna's father worked as a janitor at the Ford Motor Plant, making very little money. His wife, Mosanna, cleaned houses for rich white people. But she also suffered from mental health issues. Family members said she had a nervous breakdown and spent some time in an institution, much of the parenting fell on Joseph. The money grew too tight. There were too many kids to feed. Eventually, he turned to others for help. When Anna was around 5, her father gave her and her younger sister to another family to raise. We were You
3: know, we were never separated. We were always
4: together. We were always together. That's Anna talking about how close she and her sister were during this time. It's taped from an investigation at the Social Security office. The people that raised me and my sister, they were so good to us. In this interview, Anna tells authorities that despite being treated well, she missed her father terribly. When I was 13, I wanted to see my real people. My daddy would come and visit us. Anna has also talked to the authorities about this time. Anna spoke about her early life and feeling abandoned and lonely being sent away feelings she admits she carried with her her whole life. Anna returned home to her father when she was 13, but soon left home again. She married very young, at 15, and quickly had two children. Throughout her life, Anna married seven times, had more children of her own, and raised many others, including the children that called her Mother Anna. This is House of Prayer. I'm your
2: host, Leela Day. I'm Beth Karras. While reporting this story, I often came back to asking myself, who is Anna Young?
4: What's her background? And who were her people? How did Anna, a Black woman from a small town in Kentucky, end up being feared by so many, accused by some of being a cult leader, when most cult leaders are white men?
2: Chapter 5, Nikki.
4: Like many people in their community, Anna's family was deeply religious. Church was often at the center of their lives.
3: My beloved youngest daughter.
4: This is a reading of one of the many letters Anna sent to her daughter, Joy. I am so
3: thankful that God blessed me for you to come forth from my womb. Anna's letters were
4: always full of love and God.
3: Everyone that say they love you do not love God. And if they do not love God, they cannot give their heart. Always obey, blessed Jesus.
4: Anna's call to church and her leadership within the house of prayer did not happen in a vacuum. As a young person, everyone she knew would have attended church regularly, not just because they were God-fearing, but for community— and while her father was a Baptist, at some point Anna found the Pentecostal faith. She wasn't alone. African Americans were particularly drawn to Pentecostalism at the turn of the 20th century.
5: Think about the ways in which this Christian perfectionism gains traction among African Americans who are in North America, and they're constantly being degraded. They're constantly being belittled. They're constantly being harmed. And so you get a faith that says, no, 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 you can be Christlike. You can reconnect yourself to the divine, and you can possess these spiritual gifts that can actually change the world that you are inhabiting.
4: Dr. Jamil Drake is someone we come back to again because to understand Anna— you have to understand the Pentecostal faith, especially for
5: black Americans and so it, it reconnects black people to the divine, particularly in the age of North America, when the very fact that they're black they are automatically disconnected from anything of value, anything of uh, anything that's considered divine or anything that's considered sacred so here you have black people being drawn to Pentecostalism to, in some ways, refashion themselves above the kind of racist state.
4: Pentecostalism is one of the fastest-growing Christian sects in the world today, but can draw its roots all the way back to the late 19th century. At its core, Pentecostalism is all about the direct experience with God. What sets it apart from other Christian faiths is the way members worship, often getting so taken by the Spirit that they'll speak in tongues. Former members at the House of Prayer said Anna often did this. But Dr. Drake says African Americans were and still are drawn to Pentecostalism for more earthly reasons.
5: There's a kind of uh, a misconception that Pentecostals are so... Uh, Holy other, that they're no earthly good. But what do we see with the house of prayer? We see it as a kind of uh, social welfare service where, you know, they're creating jobs. For uh, convicts, they're also taking in single mothers who are struggling economically. This is within the whole kind of African-American religious milieu that dates back to slavery that we definitely see in the 20th century that can account for why people who are less than are drawn to these groups that are giving them something spiritual but also they're giving them something materially to survive and flourish in sort of uh, Jim Crow and post-segregation America.
4: Anna's leadership within the House of Prayer was also a product of the time.
5: You get women leaders, too, as well. You get Elder Lucy Smith with the All Nations Pentecostal Church, started in 1914 in Chicago. You know, you get Mother, Mother Rosa Horn of Mount Calvary Baptist uh, Faith Church, who starts that church in 1929. Women
4: were finding their voices in spaces that were traditionally held for men. The church was slowly becoming a place where women weren't just in the choir— They were front and
5: center. So the House of Prayer is basically continuing a long tradition where it becomes a kind of a nation within a nation, or it serves as, you know, a sort of a substitute for what the state ought to be doing.
4: Anna would claim her place and stand among the women who were becoming leaders of their churches and their communities, filling societal voids that traditional leaders didn't seem to care about. But with Anna, of course, it's much more complicated.
5: We can't romanticize Mother Anna. I mean, it is disheartening to, you know, read the stories of children being uh, in the bathtub and being uh, washed with bleach. Do you
2: remember toward the latter part of House of Prayer, a young woman came from South Carolina. Her name was Nikki Nicholson. What do you remember about Nikki? This is Sabrina Hamburg, Marcus's mother, the woman who says she took her son to Puerto Rico
0: and left him there. Um, Nikki um, had a very unfortunate situation under Anna. She was punished uh, brutally. Anna forced her into a tin tub with boiling hot water and bleach. And she made her sit in that tub for so long. And by that afternoon, she had blisters all on her legs. Did you see Nikki's injuries? Yes, I did. Did you see her in the bath? Yes, I did. You were there? I was there. Anna, um... Forced me in there and said, um, "You know, she actually had Anna forced me to hold her in the water." How
2: old was Nikki?
0: About twelve, I think. Why was she doing this to Nikki? You know, a lot of things Anna did didn't make sense, and I really don't know why she did it. I really don't. And what was Nikki doing? She was screaming and hollering. She told her that it burns. She said, oh, no, it doesn't. Oh, no, it doesn't. You sit there. And that little girl was screaming and hollering. It was horrible. And And you were holding her down? And I had to hold her down. And how long was Nikki in the water? I don't recall how long. But it was enough it was long enough to burn her skin. Um, we got along very well. That was my little sister I helped, you know, care for.
2: This is Paula Brown, Nikki's older sister.
1: Um, she was a she had a very high spirit. She loved being around people, she loved outdoors, um, and then her life went upside down when <laughs> she went to Um, Anna's schooler went down to Florida. Her life turned upside down.
2: Nikki and her family were very religious and lived a strict Christian life. They wore holy clothes, just like the members of the House of Prayer. But in South Carolina, Nikki went to a public school where she was bullied for her long dresses and head wraps. Beyond the community and the church, the House of Prayer was also a religious school, Some kids who attended either lived on the property with their parents or lived nearby and came for the day. When Nikki's parents heard about the school, they thought they had found an answer for their daughter.
1: Um, She stayed down there full time. My parents would go down there and visit. They were down there every weekend.
2: So during the week, Nikki was like all the other kids who lived at the house of prayer. Anna was her caretaker... And Nikki was expected to do her chores and pray a number of times a day. She also faced severe discipline, which she eventually described to the police. She would be
1: locked up into a outhouse in the backyard or whatever. They would lock
2: her up back there. No one in Nikki's family knew about any of this. Even her parents, who would visit regularly, didn't know. Nikki never told them.
1: Well, from my understanding... Anna called and told my mom that she needed to come down because um, something had happened.
2: So the family jumped in their car and drove over five hours to McEnope, Florida. When they arrived, Nikki wasn't there to greet them. Instead, they were led to a bedroom where they found their daughter. Nikki
1: was laying in the bed, and from what I understand, there was a sheet over her um, and when my mom then went there and pulled the sheet from over Nikki that she had been that's when she saw her injuries. And apparently, Anna had been treating the injuries with herbs and different types of um natural stuff to try and heal it. And from that point, that's when my parents called the police.
2: That call started a chain of events that would eventually bring down the House of Prayer. Nikki was taken to a hospital in South Carolina. Former members later told police that Anna wanted to teach Nikki a lesson about hygiene. And they overheard her saying, maybe this will burn some of the evil out of her. Doctors treated her burns as best they could.
1: She had to have several, several, Skin draft. They took skin drafts from her um, buttocks. They took skin drafts from her um, fat to put on her feet. Um, her feet was the size of maybe, mm, I would say a mango maybe. It was very hard for her to walk she did not wear open-toed shoes she did not wear dresses she did not wear shorts she always wore pants um because a couple of times that she did wear shorts or dresses people would just was just staring at her Physically, the pain never went away. She couldn't stand on her legs for a long period of time. She couldn't walk for a long period of time. So therefore, she wasn't able to work. I think it was mentally um, heavy on everybody. It messed her up really bad because it Nikki did not want to be around people. And that's not how she was. She was a family oriented person. She didn't want to be around nobody. Nick, all Nikki wanted to do was just sit in the house and just, you know, eat or just watch TV. She, you know, didn't feel, feel the need to go outside. She didn't trust anybody. She didn't trust anybody. In
4: 2015, Nikki Nicholson had a heart attack and died. She was only 35.
5: Did you ever wonder what it's like to live alone? Hidden in the woods, not speaking to a single soul for 30 years or wander the desert, uncover a hidden well and die to the bottom of the deepest water hole for 2,000 miles. The Snap Judgment podcast takes you there with amazing stories told by the people who live them with an original soundscape that drops you directly into their shoes. Snap Judgment. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.
4: Lori Vallow was the kind of woman who seemed to have it all. But that sweet girl next door was changing. She's lost her mind.
1: So how does she pose a threat to your children? I don't know what she's gonna do with them.
4: I'm Sarah Trelevin, and this is Madness of Two. Over the last year, I've been investigating the case of Lori Vallow and Chad Daybell. How together, police say they plotted the deaths of Lori's two children, JJ and Tylee. Something they've denied. Join me in Madness of Two. Available wherever you get your podcasts. As we've heard from former members, Anna Young ruled their lives with an iron fist. Children and adults lived under the constant threat of Anna's erratic moods and wants. But until Nikki Nicholson's parents phoned the police, Anna's grip on power remained rock solid.
2: Did you know
3: at the time why you were on the run? I knew it was because of uh, the bath she gave
4: Nikki Nicholson. Joy was 13 when Nikki was burned in that bathtub in 1992. And Joy's whole life got turned upside down. And um, I remember her mom being afraid
3: And having talks with Elder Adam and Brother Thomas about going on the run.
2: And I remember being terrified of it. Like, oh my God, we're going to leave. On July 28, 1992, the police interviewed Anna about Nikki. Within a month, she had fled, taking her daughter Joy with her. Soon after, an arrest warrant was issued and Anna was charged with child abuse. If caught and found guilty, she could face prison time.
3: We went to Ohio, we went, it seemed like we went to Indianapolis. One of the towns we were in, it's a small town, you can look it up, Chesterfield, Chesterfield, Ohio. That was one town, that was one of the towns we moved. And I have a picture of some of the people that were there. Chesterfield, Ohio, we stayed there with the family for a while and we would go visit nearby towns. Um, we went to Amish communities and had homemade ice cream and. I remember thinking the Amish lived similar to us. For eight years, mother and daughter were on the run. She had a lot of various social security numbers and stuff, and would go under Elizabeth McDuffie, or, um, you know, she had other, you know,
4: identification. Over the years, Anna and Joy relied on a small network of family and church connections. At one point, they even lived in the back of a church. We would visit family, but
3: we had to change the license plates on the car so that um, they would, the family couldn't even know. There were very few that knew where we were. To supplement their income, Anna worked. Well, she worked, but she just was using a fake ID to not get caught, so she worked at the nursing homes and she worked
2: doing home health care. The police and the FBI continued the search for Anna but it was the media that gave them the break in the case. She was a National Enquirer, and she was in all these you know, tabloid magazines and, you know, America's Most Wanted. On November 21st, 2000, the FBI arrested Anna Young at her home in Alton, Illinois. She was returned to Florida, where she pled no contest to a felony, to abusing Nikki Nicholson, and was sentenced to just over six months. The charge associated with her fleeing prosecution was apparently dropped. Anna was free by June 2001. Anna served her sentence and was now a convicted felon. She moved to Georgia and smoothly slipped into a normal life. I love my mom. She did, I have all this negative talk about her.
3: Still, I have very cherished and wonderful memories with her. Her support, even though she did try to dominate, you know, my children and my relationship with them, she was a very good grandmother to them, a very good
2: mom to me. And and it seemed as though everything that happened at the house of prayer would be left in the past.
0: Detective Ellen. Yes, this is Joy. I'm sorry.
4: And that's where it stayed for almost 20 years.
3: I don't want to keep thinking about this. I just want to get it off my chest and relieve the burden. I just, I I want to do what I have the nerve to, to get it over with.
4: You know what I mean? Sometimes advancements in technology can push cases forward. And sometimes it's simpler than that. Sometimes a simple phone call can change everything.
1: My job is just to find out what happened. Um, And there are some missing pieces here. And I think uh, if you'll allow me to, and if you'll continue to cooperate, I'll try to find out what happened here.
4: By December 3rd, 2017, Anna Young's past had caught up with her. The media took notice in the days that followed.
1: Tonight, we are learning more about the religious boarding school in Micanopy that investigators call the House of Horrors. Three
4: decades After, after an 11-month there. investigation, police arrested Anna, charging her with the first-degree murder of Moses. She has since pled not guilty. Young was arrested at her home in Marietta last week. Yeah, for
1: the death of a toddler in Florida, which happened 25 years ago. But back in the 90s, she was convicted of abusing a 12-year-old girl. Several people came forward within the last year, accusing Young of torturing, punishing, caging and starving children at the house of prayer. Three decades after the death of a child there, a 75-year-old woman is now facing first-degree murder charges.
2: Coming up on the final episode of House of Prayer.
1: Jesus said, if your eye offends you, pluck it out, because it's better for you to enter the kingdom of heaven without your eye than to have your whole body thrown into hell. So, and I told him, if it offends you, you gotta cut it off. If I know it, you know what happened to him. I know you know that, but do you know where he's buried? He's not, see, I know what happened to him totally. Tell me what happened totally to him, Sharon, please. He was burnt. They weren't following the Bible. They weren't following the book of Acts. They made up what they wanted to do. And they're going to pay. They're going to pay for it.
4: This podcast was produced by Kathleen Goldhar, Beth Karras, Max Miller, and me, Leela Day. Our associate producer is Alexis Green. Sound design and mixing by Mitchell Stewart. Additional reporting by Laura Isabel Gonzalez and Damon Fairless. Executive producing by Kathleen Goldhar, Beth Karras, and myself. Our UCP audio team includes Jessica Grimshaw, Jennifer Sears, Josh Lalongi, Susanna Rooney, and Linda Cohen. This is a UCP Audio podcast. For more information, go to our website, ucpaudio.com.